test, test, one, two, three. Now I'm hearing it. Test, test, one, two, three. Test, test, one, two, three. Can you guys hear me? Test, test, one, two, three. 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 Test, test. Test, test, one, two, three. Test. Can you hear me, Doug? Test, test, one. Can you hear me? Test, test, one, two, three. Can you hear me? I'm on channel seven. Channel seven. If you want to hear me singing, you gotta turn me up. Channel seven. Test, test, one, two, three. 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 You can hear me now. Test, test, one, two, three. Channel 7. I'm going to start in one minute. Good. Welcome, everybody. Can you hear me? All right, good. You know, we're going to start in just a few seconds if people can come and get their seats. We've had a slight technical difficulty up here, but I think we've got it all squared away. So I'm glad that you're here. Welcome to 
you. We're glad that you're here. We're here to worship the Lord and to celebrate Him. Welcome those of you joining us online. You know, the first song we're going to sing is what I call a golden oldie, and I happened to hear it on a playlist I think Subeth was playing from Spotify, and it, I thought it would make a great call to worship. So if, if you don't know this song, by the time we sing it through once, you will know it. So let's stand together and let's call each other to worship through this song. So now we're going to sing Everywhere I Go. That's because that is a favorite of all generations. And I have invited a bunch of kids to come up right now to help us sing this. And if there are any other kids out here who would like to come up, feel, in fact, anybody at all, anybody wants to come up here, you can stand, sit on the steps, sit in the front row. And if you want to clap, this is a song that's good for that. So let's join together. Come on, kids, and let's sing Everywhere I Go. Here we go. Everywhere. 
Good morning. It's good to be here with you this morning as we join together on this day that God has given us to come together and worship together as his people in this place. The, the joy to be here with you this morning. If you are visiting or new, my name's Tim. I'm the senior pastor here at Three Lakes Evangelical Free Church, and we are glad that you're here with us this morning as we join together and worship a couple of things to bring to your attention this morning, a couple of announcements. First is that many of you know we are in the process of replacing our old playground with a new playground, and so this week we drew a name out of a hat for people who are interested in getting the old playground, and uh, Josh and Sheena Welch won that drawing, so they'll have a new playground coming their way. Uh, second thing coming up on May 10th, it's whenever our, our fun club carnival so it's a, it's a huge celebration of all that has happened in Funk Club throughout the year. It's a, a ministry that blesses many families in our community. Many children come to that from the school who don't normally come to our church. It's a huge blessing to our whole community. And so the Funk Club, Club Carnival is a, a celebration of that. Um, and it's a, it's a great event, but it requires many volunteers for that. And so if you're interested in volunteering to help run a game or help in some way, we'd love to have you help us. That's May 10th from 3 o'clock to 5.30, and if you are interested, you can contact Ann Epler. Her phone number is in the, on the back of your bulletin. Also, this coming Thursday, we will have a, a Women's Common Ground event here at the church for, for women to come and be a part of just fellowship together, and so that's this Thursday, April 20th at, at 6.30. We'd invite you to be a part of that. And then just to keep it on your radar, coming up May 26th and 27th, they're going to have a huge rummage sale here at the church to raise funds for the playground and for other ministries in the church. And so we invite you to be a part of that and also donate anything you'd like to, any high-quality things that you want to donate to that rummage sale. Um, so information about when you can donate those things in your bulletin as well. So we're just, again, glad that you're here with us this morning as we worship together and as we Continuing this time of worship, would you join me in a time of prayer? Father, we, we are thankful for your goodness, your blessings to us that you've provided us this time and this day to be dedicated to worshiping you, you've brought these people together in this place at this time to praise you and to worship you. Above all, God, we are thankful that you are indeed a God who is worthy of all our praise and all our worship. You are great and mighty and good and loving and you care for us and you are merciful and you are gracious. You are fully deserving of all our worship. And so would this morning and this time be dedicated to seeing you honored and praised through all that takes place here this morning. Father, as we sing and as we hear your word and as we fellowship together, would it all be for the purpose of bringing you honor and glory through our singing, through 
your word? Would we behold your beauty and stand in awe of your grandeur? Would we be amazed by what an awesome God you are? Above all, Father, we thank you for the work of Jesus and that despite our sin, despite our failure to obey your commands, you did not leave us to suffer the penalty for those sins on our own, but you sent Jesus to come and die for us. We thank you, we praise you that you your gracious, merciful love came to us to rescue us through the work of Jesus. Father, would we never grow tired of praising you? Would we never run out of things to marvel at about you and who you are? Would we constantly behold new aspects of your beauty Father, this morning, we pray for those in our church family who are going through trials of various kinds, whether it's physical pain or sickness, whether it's emotional pain or spiritual hurting. For all those who are facing trials, would you be with them? Would you give them a deep and abiding sense of your presence with them and your ability to comfort them in their trial? And Father, would we all together rejoice that this life we live here on this broken earth is not the end of the story, but that we all together look forward to a day when you will Return, and you will set all things right. And for those of us who have trusted you, that we will live forever glorifying and worshiping you in the new heavens and the new earth. Father, as we wait eagerly for that day, would you be with us? Would you guide us in how we live this life here and now? Would we use this life to bring you glory and to point others to you? Pray down in Jesus' name. Amen. So at this time in the service, we're going to watch a clip, a video clip from the series The Chosen. And this is a, a story of a miracle that came about because of a man's faith and trust in Jesus. In the video series, there's some backstory. This is about Jairus, who was an administrator in the local synagogue, synagogue in Capernaum. And we, we don't have time to see the backstory, but he had heard about Jesus through the buzz that was going around that community about the Sermon on the Mount. So let's watch this now and see Jesus at work. Shalom, Rabbi. This is him. Shalom, Yusuf. I know you. Do you? Stand with me.
have read, I have read accounts from... from someone I trust. You do miracles, right? You are a healer? Of more than just physical maladies, yes. Please. My daughter is dying. I'm so sorry. But come. Come and lay your hands on her. And she will live. came to the right man. Well, between you and her, it's quite a big day of faith. It's just up ahead. Mm. Do you hear that? No. What is this? Jess, while you were gone. No. Why do I hear mourners and flutes? I said not to do that. She was sick. Your passed away. We had to make arrangements quickly. No! No! I went to find the teacher. He was going to heal her. I know who you are. Let's not trouble him anymore. Michal is with Nili's body. No! No! I was getting Jesus. I went as fast as I could. Do not be afraid. Only believe. She will be well. Jairus. Jairus. Let's go in. Please stay here. We will she will be well. Stop it. I said stop. What are you doing? There's a girl. She's dead. Go away. For she isn't dead, but sleeping. <laughs> He said, she's only asleep. What a cruel thing to say. Do you know who you're talking to? If you were a member of the family, I would invite you in to see just how dead she is. What are you, a necromancer? Shame on you for saying such a ridiculous thing. Everyone out. You heard him. Boys, take everyone outside. Right. We were paid to play. Ah. 
You listen to me right now. Come, let's give them a moment. Michal. Where were you? I was finding this mess. She is dead and you were gone. Why would you just leave us? Trust me. Please trust me and trust him. What? For what? Please. Please. I know. I know. room. Please listen to me carefully. Simon, James, John, Jairus, Michal, and Millie. None of you are to say a word about this to anyone under any circumstances. Do I make myself clear? No one. Not even to the others. Yes, Rabbi. Yes, Rabbi. Yes, Rabbi. There's not yet time for the commotion that will result. None of you need the attention. Not all of it will be good. Whatever you command, we shall do. Neely, you must be hungry. <laughs> How can I thank you? I, I don't understand what you did, but... You're welcome. Let's just get Neely something to eat first. Oh, wait. <laughs> Neely, come on. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. There are no other words. Thank you. Thank you for your faith. I pray that more in the synagogue will share it.
powerful story of what faith and trust in Jesus can do. And he's still doing things like that. So we're going to sing a song, a hymn, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus, that sort of brings to home the fact that he calls us to trust in him just as Jairus did. So let's stand together and, and sing this song together. Yeah. 
Father, we, we praise you that in you, as we just sang, that there is no need to fear anymore. We can trust your sovereign care for us because you are the God of living waters. Lord, we rejoice in that this morning as we come to your word together. Would you be with us now as we hear from you through your word? Would it draw us closer to yourself and make us more like Jesus? Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. may be seated. The, the science fiction author Arthur C. Clarke once wrote that any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. And I don't know about you, but that just rings true for me. Like, like I have zero concept of how most of the technology in my life works. Like, even something as simple as like clothing. Like, like how do we get from like little puffs of cotton growing off a plant to like a a shirt that is comfortable and soft and fits me? Like, I don't know. It feels like magic, or like my glasses, right? Like, I don't even understand how you make glass in the first place. Never mind. Like, how do you curve the glass just right so I can go from like I can't read anything right now to like it all looks fine. Like, how do we do? I, I don't know. It's feels like magic to me. Right? And that's just like relatively low-tech stuff, right? Never mind when it comes to something like my car running or my TV working or this thing that fits in my pocket that can tell me anything I want to know in like two seconds. Like, like shooting a rocket to the moon and landing it. Like, it all feels like magic to me. Like, so much of the stuff I use on a day-to-day basis, I have no idea how it goes from like raw materials to the finished product. Like if I travel back in time today like to when the Egyptians were building the pyramids, like, like I can tell them all about modern buildings that are far taller and more complex than any pyramid they could ever dream of building. But I couldn't tell them how to make steel or how to build and operate cranes. In fact, like, I couldn't tell them a single thing that would help them build the pyramids more efficiently. Like, I would be worthless as a time traveler because I know nothing about how stuff actually works in today's world. Despite living in this world with all kinds of technologies, like, I don't have the slightest idea how most of the technologies work or how we get from raw materials to a finished product. And like, what technology? We all know what the, what the finished product looks like. like. We've all seen a cell phone, probably most of us have used a cell phone. We've all watched TV. We've all driven or ridden in cars. We all have used technology, but we have very little idea how the finished product was produced. And sometimes, the same thing can be true of our spiritual life. Like, we know what the finished product looks like, right? It looks like Jesus. That's the finished product. We're all striving for We all want to be more like Jesus. But often we have very little idea how to get from the raw materials we are to the finished product that looks like Jesus. 
As we battle sin and brokenness in our life, it feels like a constant uphill losing battle to grow to become more like Jesus. We look at people who seem more advanced spiritually than us and it feels like magic that they got there somehow. But it's not magic. The Bible gives us clear guidance, clear practices that help us grow to become more like Jesus. So this morning we're, we're starting a new sermon series. In fact, it's a, a series of sermon series that we're starting this morning. And in this series, we'll spend four weeks looking at each of nine different practices. So four weeks per practice, looking at nine different practices or disciplines that if we do them, can help us to grow and become more like Jesus, to become more like the finished product we're all striving for. So the nine practices we're going to look at over the course of time are these nine. Sabbath, prayer, fasting, solitude, Scripture, community, simplicity, generosity, and hospitality. By, by growing and practicing these disciplines, we can become more like Jesus. By doing these nine practices, we will move closer to the finished product that, we'll, what, that we will one day be. We won't, of course, ever reach the perfect standard of Jesus in this lifetime. But we can become more like him as we practice these disciplines. So these, these nine practices have been identified and encouraged throughout church history in different forms and different ways. But, but this precise order and combination have been put together by a group called Practicing the Way, which is led by the pastor John Mark Comer. And in conjunction with these, this sermon series... Like, we're talking about a number of small groups who will go through and delve further into each of these practices by utilizing some video teaching led by, by John Mark Comer and the people that practicing the way. And so if you're interested in being part of one of those groups, like many of you already have been talking with your small groups about doing them, but if you're interested and don't have one set up, right, it's not too late. So there's one that will be led by, by John Welsh that will meet starting this morning over in the library during the Sunday school hour, so at 10.30 this morning, they'll get started over there watching the video. There's another group that will meet at the Children's Museum in Eagle River on, on Tuesday, starting not this coming Tuesday, but on Tuesday, April 25th. That group will have child care. So if you're interested in that, you can contact me, or it'll be led by the Ogrens. You can reach out to them. But we will have that child care available to you as well. Or if there's another time and you don't see a group that fits you, you can reach out and I'll get you plugged in with a group that's already meeting. So that is kind of the overall plan for this series of series. So we're going to walk through four weeks for each of these nine practices. We're not going to go through each one back to back to back, but we're going to do one starting with Sabbath this morning, then take about eight weeks off before we jump into another practice. And the hope is that over the course of time, we walk through these practices, we grow together in practicing these disciplines, we will become the church body more like Jesus. So that's the hope. And today we start with the Sabbath practice. So just as we kind of, overall on the same page as we jump into 
the Sabbath? Let me just kind of give you a broad definition of, of what it means to Sabbath. Or the, the English word Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat, which means at a, a most basic level to, to stop or to cease working. So kind of a, a fuller definition that we see throughout the Bible is this, right? that the Sabbath is a 24-hour period of time in which we stop all work and set aside the day to rest, delight, and worship. So we set aside 24 hours to stop all work and rest and delight and worship. And this is such a foreign concept in our culture and in, in much of the world. Right? So much of our culture is built around the rhythm of the work week and the weekend. But for many of us, even though the weekend is a time off of our paying job, we don't often within that weekend set apart a 24-hour period of time where we truly rest, where we truly delight in our God, where we truly worship. Instead, right, the weekend often becomes a, a period of time when we catch up on all the housework and all the family tasks that have built up during the course of the work week. We don't stop all work on the Sabbath. We simply change what kind of work we're doing. We may come to worship on a Sunday morning, but then the rest of the rest of Sunday is often not particularly restful. Instead, it's all about catching up on things that we didn't get done last week or getting a head start on things that we need to do next week. But if this definition of, of Sabbath is correct, and my guess is that many of us, if we're honest, be forced to admit that we're not Sabbathing all that well. And I, I don't say that to make you feel guilty. I'll say more about this in a minute, but like, in my experience, too often like, discussions of Sabbath and Sabbath keeping have been clouded with guilt and legalism. Right? Sabbath often just evolved into a list of things that you can't do on the Sabbath. My hope for this series, this time together, is that you will not feel guilted into obeying the Sabbath. Instead, my, my hope for this series, that by the end of these four weeks together, all of us gathered here, all of us hearing these sermons will, will understand, will comprehend what a blessing Sabbath can be. Because we see it as a blessing, not an obligation we will make it a priority in our lives to commit ourselves to Sabbathing. Even if it means making changes, perhaps difficult sacrifices on how we spend our weekends, we will see the blessing that is obeying the Sabbath, and we will delight to do it. So that's my, that's my hope. I've, I've become convinced that, that taking the practice of Sabbath seriously can help us make meaningful strides in drawing closer to God, helping us become more like Jesus. And I say that as someone who has consistently throughout my life failed to take the practice of Sabbath seriously. 
Like, I freely admit that I've not been good about practicing the Sabbath. But as I've read and as I've studied this topic throughout the Bible and through other works, like, I have come to see how important to both our spiritual and our physical well-being it is for all of us to Sabbath well. My hope is that as we walk through this series together, as some of you participate in, in small groups that will go along with the study, like my hope and my prayer that we all come out the other side committed to Sabbathing well. And that we will look back, like, we will look back at our life before this series, and we will see how much our life has been transformed by committing ourselves to putting the practice of Sabbathing into practice. There's just one more thing I want to say before we jump into the Bible text this morning and what I have to say. And I just want to tell you this. One of the reasons I've not been good in my own life about obeying the Sabbath is that it's really easy, as I said a minute ago, for the idea of Sabbath to get wrapped up really tightly in legalism. A lot of times when people talk about the Sabbath, it's just a list of things you're not supposed to do on a given day. And I, in my own life, having fallen into the trap of legalism so often, have a tendency now to kind of push against and rebel against anything that feels overly legalistic. We'll dive into this much deeper in the third week of this series, but but I read in the Gospels how Jesus constantly rebuked the religious leaders for their legalism about around the Sabbath. And the way I applied that to my life previously, <clears throat> which is to then ignore the Sabbath. But in doing that, I missed what a gift, what a blessing the Sabbath is intended to be. In the book of Colossians, Paul writes something that I want to be kind of the banner that <clears throat> the banner that hangs over this entire series. He writes this in Colossians 2, he says, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. This series It's not about making you feel judged for how you practice or don't practice the Sabbath. If you read that, for some of you, the person who is most likely to judge you for how you practice the Sabbath is you. You're going to feel guilt if you feel like you're not doing something right. Just say, don't allow yourself or anyone else to judge you with regard to a Sabbath day. This is not about judgment. It's not about doing things precisely the right way. It's about receiving the blessing that is the Sabbath. Jesus says in Mark chapter 2, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The purpose of this series is not about making you feel guilty or judged for the way you put the Sabbath into practice in your own life. It's all about inviting you to receive the blessing that is the Sabbath. 
My hope, my desire is that through this series, you will step into the practice of Sabbath. Not to check a box. Not because you think it will earn you favor with God. But because to practice Sabbath is a blessing. It is a gift. Life works best when we Sabbath. Because we were created to Sabbath. That's where we're going to start this morning. In each of the next four weeks, we will look at different Bible passages that look at the practice of Sabbath from slightly different perspectives. And they each give us an additional reason why it is good and a blessing to practice the Sabbath. So this morning, we're going to start by looking at the creation account in Genesis 1 and 2 and see that we are created to Sabbath. Next week, we'll look at the Ten Commandments and see that we are redeemed to Sabbath. The third week, we'll look at Jesus' teaching on the Sabbath and the Gospels, and we'll see that we are blessed to Sabbath. And then finally, in week four, we will look at what the author of Hebrews has to say about the Sabbath and see that we are invited to Sabbath. We'll see that, that the invitation to Sabbath is an invitation to experience a foretaste of eternity. That the ultimate eternal rest we will find in the new heavens and the new earth is why we practice Sabbath. It's a foretaste of that eternal rest. But today, as I said, we, we start by looking at the story of creation and how we are created to Sabbath. In Genesis chapter 1, we, we see that God creates the heavens and the earth. He creates light on day one and the sky on day two and dry land and plants on day three. He creates the sun, the moon, and the stars on day four. He creates sea creatures and flying creatures on day five. He creates animals and humans on day six. In each of those six days of creation, in Genesis 1, they all all end with the same formula. The author of Genesis says, there was evening and there was morning the blank day. There was evening and morning the first day. There was evening and there was morning the second day, etc. But then we come to Genesis chapter 2 and the, the seventh day of creation. And the pattern changes. Starting in verse 1 of chapter 2 we read, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. But the seventh day... By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And interesting, that's where the description of the seventh day kind of ends. Without that statement, there was evening and there was morning the seventh day. In the Bible, there, there is no end to the seventh day of creation the way there is to the other days. On this seventh day, God rested. He rested from all his work. And it is hopefully obvious, right, that when we read that God rested from all his work, He didn't rest out of a sense of exhaustion. 
didn't rest because the work of creating the universe was hard for him and he was worn out and he physically couldn't go on. That's not why God rested. They must have rested for some other purpose. I think it's significant that this description of the seventh day of creation is sandwiched right between two accounts of the creation of mankind. In Genesis 1, 26-30, we get kind of the 30,000 foot view of God creating mankind. We get the zoomed out, broad stroke picture of creation. And importantly, that passage starts with God saying, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky, over the livestock and all the animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And so God creates mankind in his image, in his likeness. And part of what it means to be created in the image of God is to have work to do. So that they may rule. God created in his image with work to do, but then immediately after that, we get the verses we just read about God blessing the seventh day as a day of rest and about keeping it holy. And then immediately after that, the rest of Genesis chapter 2, we get the rest of kind of the zoomed in account of God creating Adam and Eve. We get this more detailed picture of what it looks like for these mankind to be created in the image of God. So Sabbath, the Sabbath day is sandwiched between these two accounts of the creation of mankind as God's image bearers. And here's the point. Part of what it means to be created in the image of God is to have a Sabbath rhythm kind of hardwired into us. Like it's interesting, I think, at least, that like every civilization, like every culture in the history of the world, more or less, has had a, a seven-day week, like, even though there's no cosmological reason for it. Like, right? A day is 24 hours because that's how long it takes the Earth to revolve around its axis. A month is more or less 30 days because that's how long... It takes the moon to go through a lunar cycle. A year is 365 days because that's how long it takes the sun to revolve around the earth. But a week is seven days. Not because it's a rhythm that's built into the sun or the moon or the stars. A week is seven days because it's a rhythm that's built into us. During the French Revolution from 1793 to 1805, the, the French revolutionaries were trying to be smart or something or fancy and, and so they introduced something called the French Republic calendar. Part of the reason was they introduced this calendar is they wanted to remove all the religious and royalist influences from their calendar but also they kind of thought they could outsmart the rest of the world. So they, they wanted to create more efficient time-telling systems. So they had this system for telling time that had 100 seconds in every minute and 100 minutes in every hour and 10 hours in every day and crucially, 10 days in a week. And that system ran into problems for all kinds of reasons. But one of the main problems with that 
the French worker back then typically had one day a week off, and they didn't change that when they changed the system. And so now a French worker had to work nine days straight before they got a day off. And workers were burned out and productivity plummeted. The human body was not made to work nine days without rest. Or take this. Perhaps the single most interesting thing I've read or heard in my time studying Sabbath is this. So the the Seventh-day Adventist group have lots of problems, but one thing they do well is that they take Sabbath far more seriously than any other Christian group. Certainly far more seriously than the rest of our culture. And a recent study found that Seventh-day Adventists live, on average, 10 to 11 years longer than other Americans. Now, if you add up all the time devoted to Sabbath, Sabbath, by a Seventh-day Adventist over the course of an average lifetime, it adds up to about 10 or 11 years. One doctor commented, it seems like every day you Sabbath, you literally add a day to your life. Like the practice of Sabbath is hardwired into the rhythms of creation. It's hardwired into us, and to fight that rhythm is to invite negative consequences into our life. God made us to experience and delight in Sabbath. So, if you, like most Americans, are feeling constantly overwhelmed, if you're feeling overworked, if you're feeling burnt out and exhausted, maybe it shouldn't come as a surprise if you haven't been practicing Sabbath. Wayne Muller, in his book, Sabbath puts it this way. The Sabbath is not a burdensome requirement from some law-giving deity. You ought, you'd better, you must. But rather, it's a remembrance of a law that is firmly embedded in the fabric of nature. It is a reminder of how things really are. And if that's the case, then one of the most important questions that any of us can answer is, what does it look like for me to practice the Sabbath? What does it look like for me to Sabbath well? And if we look again at at Genesis 2, verse 3, we notice two things about what God did on the seventh day. We notice that, that God blessed the seventh day, and he made it holy. He blessed the day. He made the day holy. So we're going to look just a little bit at each of those two ideas and see what we can learn from it about how we ought to put the Sabbath into practice. The first thing God did was he blessed the seventh day. He blessed the Sabbath. So that Hebrew word that is translated blessed in Genesis 2 there is is barak. And it means blessed, but the connotations behind that word are like joyful and, and happy and full of delight. So the Sabbath day is a day to be, for us to be blessed and to feel joyful and to be happy and to delight in things. Right? The Sabbath should not feel like a burden. It is there to be a blessing and a gift and a joy. The Sabbath should be a day that is spent doing activities that that bring us not fleeting happiness, but deep, abiding 
joy. That will look different for, for each of us. The things that bring us deep, abiding joy will vary from person to person. But the Sabbath is a day when we should do things that cause us to delight in the God of the universe. Maybe for you that's, that's spending time outside on a walk, enjoying God's creation. Maybe not today, but, but like being outside in creation, may that bring you deep, abiding joy. Maybe it's time spent reading a good book where you delight in the creative abilities that God has given your fellow humans. Maybe it's time just spent in quiet contemplation and communion with God. Maybe it's time celebrating the goodness and abundance of God with a good meal. The traditional Jewish Sabbath starts with a, with a meal every Friday night for just that reason. It's a way to remember the goodness of God and providing. But the Sabbath should feel like a, like a happy, blessed, joyful day. Not a burden. Not a day where you spent wishing, like, oh, I wish I could do that, but I can't. It should be a joy and a blessing. The other thing we see about the Sabbath in Genesis 2 is that God made it holy. And typically when we think about the word holy, we, we think of it in, in moral terms. That someone who is holy is someone who is morally righteous and, and good. And there certainly is a moral component to holiness. But at its root, the word holy means set apart. Like, the word holy means to be treated as special. In the Old Testament, the, the utensils that were used in the temple for worship were, were called holy. Of course, utensils can't be morally good or bad. Right? They're not holy because they're righteous. They're holy because they're set apart for a special purpose. And likewise, the Sabbath is to be a day that is set apart, a day that is distinct. The Sabbath should not just be another weekend day with maybe a little church attendance sprinkled on top. It should be a day that is treated as set apart and holy and, and special. It should be distinct. One way we make it feel Holy is through gathering for worship. Gathering together as God's people to rejoice for what he has done is the way that we make the Sabbath feel holy. And that's great that we do that, but if that's where your, pra <clears throat> if that's where your practice of the Sabbath ends, right? if your Sabbath-keeping ends with you walk out the door this morning, right? then I would just suggest that like God has more to offer you in the Sabbath than that. The whole day, the whole 24-hour period, not just two or three hours on Sunday morning, are to be set aside and treated as holy and given over to worship and spending time with God. And again, what that will look like for each person will, will vary depending on the stage of life you're in, the schedule you have, the particular ways that God has created you. But keeping the Sabbath holy, making it feel special, may for you include things like a day where you give yourself to extended time reading God's word. Give yourself to extended time in prayer or in time listening to worship music. 
maybe it's a time where you intentionally have extended time where you gather with fellow believers and you fellowship together and you encourage one another and you delight in God together. The Sabbath should feel set apart and special. Whatever it looks like for you, I just urge you to to practice the Sabbath by making it holy, by making it feel set apart from the other days of the week. Like some of you may be hearing this and think, like, there's just no way I can do that. I have too much going on. Like my work schedule doesn't allow it. Like I can't neglect my responsibilities. Like there's so many barriers to practicing the Sabbath well. And again, this is not about making you feel guilty. And I get it. Like we have four kids. One of them keeps us constantly on the go. Like, like I have this job where I work on Sundays. Like for us, like our family is, is still trying to figure out what it looks like for us to Sabbath. Like each family will take time to like talk together as a family and figure out what it looks like for you. Maybe it's a different day of the week. Maybe it's finding creative solutions. But there's no hard and fast right way to do this. I urge you to find time to Sabbath. Again, I'll just say, like, like, Sabbath, the practice of Sabbath is, is an invitation, not an obligation. Right? We read from, from Jesus earlier, right? the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Jesus came to free us from all the times that we failed to keep the Sabbath rightly, all the times we failed in other ways to honor God. And if we've trusted in Jesus, we trusted that he has died for us on the cross, and we trust that all our sins, past, present, and future, including our failure to keep the Sabbath, have been dealt with in Jesus. We're now free to walk into this invitation of Sabbathing. Not to earn God's favor, but because it's best for us. The other thing I would say, like, as you figure out how to do this, like, let yourself be flexible. Maybe slowly build. Maybe for you and your situation, like right now, starting this immediately would, and doing it for a full 24 hours, it seems infeasible. Maybe for you right now, it is just. Like, let's set aside six hours to really Sabbath well. And then slowly build from there. Again, it's an invitation, and you can take time to figure out what it will look like for you. Maybe for you, Sunday's not the best day. Maybe for you, like, it's Saturday, or following the traditional Jewish. Sabbath of sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. Whatever it looks like for you, I just urge you to start building the practice of Sabbath into your life. And as you do that, keep kind of three three things in mind. Make sure it's a day where you truly rest. 
Make sure it's a day that you rejoice and delight in it. Feels like a blessed day. And make sure it's a day where you are giving yourself to worship. If it's not Sunday, I'd urge you to make another type, another way of worshiping a part of your Sabbath. Don't, don't neglect that piece of Sabbath. For most of us, it probably will be Sunday. It's the day that works best, and it's the day that we have built-in worship into our week. But I realize for some of you, it may not be Sunday just because of your schedule. Just a couple kind of practical things as we wrap up this morning. Just urge you, find some time later today or whenever to sit down with your family unit and talk about what this looks like for you. Choose a day to, to Sabbath. If you choose a day for this week and you realize that that's not going to work going forward, that's fine, but just choose a day and start, try it. See what works, see what doesn't. Commit yourself to a day of, of meaningful rest. Not just physical rest, but emotional and spiritual rest. Commit yourself to what Jesus calls rest for your soul. And if you practice Sabbath, whatever day that may be for you, do something to make the Sabbath feel special, feel set apart. Maybe start it with a meal. Maybe have a, a favorite food that you only let yourself eat on the Sabbath day. Maybe make the meal special or light candles. Find a way to make the Sabbath feel like a blessed, holy day. And then finally, whatever Sabbath looks like for you, just have it include worship. If it's not here together as this church body, then find another way to incorporate worship into your Sabbath with whatever works best for you, but have it include worship. I truly believe right, that so many of us are burnt out, are, are tired, are, are working against the way that God has wired us. We need Sabbath. Not to appease God, but because our souls need it because it's how God made us. So I just urge you as you leave here today, like, think through for yourself what it looks like for you to put Sabbath into practice. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you that in your infinite wisdom you set apart a day. You gave us a day. You blessed this day and you made it holy. Thank you for this chance to gather together as your people to worship you and to rejoice in you together. We thank you for this Sabbath day. We thank you that because you are all powerful, you are all-knowing, you are all-wise, and you are ultimately in control. 
we can Sabbath. Things won't fall apart without us because we can trust you to be the sustainer of the universe while we rest, while we Sabbath. Thank you again for your goodness to us in sending Jesus. Because of Jesus, we can look forward to an eternal Sabbath rest in the new heavens and the new earth. Father, until that day comes, would you help us? Would you guide us? Would you give us wisdom and what it looks like to put practice of Sabbath into practice in our own lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we dismiss, just a reminder, so at 10.30, there'll be a group meeting over in the library watching the first of the, the video teachings on more in-depth on this. We'd invite anyone who's here interested to be a part of that. If you're in a different small group that is going through that series, but still want to discuss this sermon, I'll be over in the library starting at 1045. We'd be happy to discuss, answer any questions, just discuss the sermon with you. Otherwise, you can join us downstairs, grab coffee, grab snacks, enjoy fellowship together. As you go this morning, would you go rejoicing that God has made you in His infinite wisdom to delight and enjoy the Sabbath. So go rejoicing in Him. You are dismissed.